Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Are You Freaking Kidding Me podcast with me, Joe Vigiano. In today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, another top 10. This is going to be my top 10 uh, favorite athletes of all time. It's not necessarily going off of who was the best or who was the worst or anything like that. It's just going to be athletes that uh, I consider my favorites of all time. Uh, Just to give a little bit of an insight on uh, my sports fandom, that's pretty much uh, what this episode is going to be. So I hope everybody enjoys, uh, and here we go. At number 10, we're going going to the NHL, and that is uh, Mike Medano. Mike Medano played uh, just about his entire career with the Stars. First, uh, when they were in Minnesota as part of the Minnesota North Stars, and then when they moved down to Dallas, he was uh, a Dallas Star for just about the rest of his career. And he was an incredible hockey player, probably the best hockey player in the 90s that was American-born. You know, his skill was incredible. He, he was just a very talented player, and, and he carried himself uh, the way that uh, anybody would uh, want to follow. So it was very fun watching Mike Madonna play hockey, very fun uh, you know, seeing him hoist up a, a Stanley Cup as a member of the Dallas Stars. And, uh, yeah, just uh, fun to watch him play. At number nine, he could be potentially ranked higher on this list if uh, if he didn't play for a team in the American League East. But uh, that's Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr. had a, a lengthy career starting in 1983, and going all the way through to 2001, and he played his entire career with the Baltimore Orioles. You know, um, he played uh, shortstop for most of his career, and then towards the end of his career moved to third base once he became uh, a little bit slower on his feet. But uh, one thing was consistent with uh, Cal Ripken. His name was always in the lineup. You know, he holds the record for most consecutive games played in Major League Baseball history. And to be able to watch that kind of player live and know that his name was going to be in the lineup, one of the big stars of the game was going to be in the lineup every single day. You know, that that's something that fans love to see. And unfortunately, in today's uh, game, it's not going to happen as much, if at all. So seeing uh, a guy like Cal Ripken be able to go out there every single game and play and play at an all-star Hall of Fame level just about every single day without a single rest day is incredible and probably something we'll never see again. At number eight, this one is going to be a little bit more of a bias pick. But again, this is my list. These are players that I enjoy. And uh, number eight is Ziggy Palfi. Ziggy Palfi was an NHLer who played for the New York Islanders before he got traded to the uh, Los Angeles Kings. Uh, During his time with the Islanders, the Islanders were a very bad hockey team, but he was a very good hockey player on a very bad hockey team. And he put up some incredible stats. He was exciting to watch. He was very fast. You know, um, he was probably, I would say, a uh, poor man's Yarmir Yager would be my comparison to him. 
Meaning that, uh, you know, when Yarmir Yager was younger, you know, Yarmir Yager played the game a lot differently than he did in his uh, older years because he had speed, he had finesse, and he had an incredible shot. Those were all things that Zygmunt Palfi uh, exhibited, just not nearly to the same level that Yarmir Yager had. So, you know, being that the Islanders are my team, Ziggy Palfi was probably my favorite player on uh, on those Islander teams that I uh, watched growing up. And number seven, it's the warrior, Paul O'Neill. Paul O'Neill came to the Yankees in the uh, early 90s from the Cincinnati Reds. Um, he was Cincinnati-born and, and started his career with his hometown team. Uh, things just didn't seem to work out too well for him in Cincinnati. And then he gets traded to the Yankees for Roberto Kelly in uh, uh, prior to the 93 season. And stay, he stayed with the Yankees until he retired in 2001. One thing that uh, I will say about Paul O'Neill that uh, I loved, he played and he played with all emotion. He played with everything he had. You knew that no matter what situation it was, Paul O'Neill was going to do his best. You know, and when he fell short, if he struck out, nothing was safe. If he popped out, nothing was safe. If he underperformed, nothing was safe. He would go back to the he would go back to the dugout and he'd take it out on the water cooler. He'd take it out on his bat. It whatever was in his way, whatever object was in his way, other than a person, it was not safe. So. You know, it was exciting watching Paul O'Neill play, and it was exciting seeing the antics of when he succeeded and when he failed in some ways. I'm glad the failure part didn't happen so much that it affected the team all the time, but uh, it was fun to watch. I will say that much. At number six, Patrick Ewing. Growing up as a Knicks fan in the 90s, there was one thing that was constant with the Knicks throughout the uh, 1990s, and that was Patrick Ewing was the star of the New York Knicks. The pieces around him may have changed every so often, but he was always in the, uh, in the starting lineup unless he was hurt, and he would produce. He was an incredible basketball player, for one, and he was a force down low at, at the center position. The only thing that I wish the Knicks would have done differently with Patrick Ewing was get him some actual support, some all-star support that uh, they were not able to do. He was a one-man band out there most of the time, and the rest of his supporting play, uh, the supporting cast on uh, on the team, especially in the early '90s when he was still in his uh, in his prime, was just not very good. Later on in his career, they supported him with a little bit more talent. Allen Houston and, uh, and Larry Robbins, uh, Larry Johnson come to mind, sorry. Allen Houston and Larry Johnson come to mind as uh, the additional uh, support that uh, helped keep the Knicks successful in the late 90s. But in the early 90s when it was, you know, Alvin Harper and Charles Smith and you know, John Starks and 
a whole bunch of nobodies or a whole bunch of guys that may have been uh, starters on other teams, but but just not very good, not good enough to compete with the Bulls of the of the early '90s and then the Bulls of the late '90s. So it it really didn't matter at that point. It just it's a shame that Ewing's career did not end with a NBA championship for has for how good of a career he had. At number five, Eli Manning. Now, Eli Manning's on this list, uh, quite frankly, because I got to see him uh, hoist two Lombardi trophies. Eli Manning at times could be frustrating to watch, I'm not going to lie. You watch, uh, you watch him play and he'll throw some inexplicable pick. But then, you know, you'll see him drop back and just get uh, completely clobbered like he did in the uh, 2011 NFC Championship game against the 49ers. And he just comes back with throw after throw after throw after throw and leading the Giants to victory. So there were, you know, there were two different Eli's. It was Eli Manning when he was on, and uh, and when he was on, he was one of the best. And then there was Eli Manning when he was off, and when Eli Manning was off, oh God, it would just take Giants out of the Giants out of games in a hurry. But. Those two, those two Lombardi trophies go somewhere in my in my mind, and the way he handled the New York media, the way uh, he is uh, revered by his teammates, the the fact that he was a practical practical jokester on the Giants, and uh, and you know just good to the media, good to the fans. It it goes somewhere when when you have all those things going for you, you can overlook some bad performances. When you uh, when you handle everything else very well, like Eli Manning has, so that right there is why he is number five. At number four, Dan Marino. So Dan Marino and I, fun fact, uh, share the same birthday, September fifteenth. But uh, that's not just why he's on this list. Dan Marino is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, and. Growing up in the 90s, watching Dan Marino play often and often just sticking it to the Jets every chance that he got, it was very fun to watch him play. He was an incredible quarterback. And as someone that was growing up playing youth football at that time and playing a little bit of uh, quarterback in, in youth football, that was somebody that I watched uh, a lot of football of and wanted to emulate. Now, I was not nearly that good at quarterback, but uh, uh, I got to enjoy myself playing some football and, uh, and got to enjoy some of the, some of the great uh, Dan Marino moments. One moment that certainly sticks out to Jets fans, the fake spike. You know, late in the game in 1994, Dan Marino drops back, uh, takes the snap, trying to drive the... Uh, Dolphins down the field to score a go-ahead touchdown to beat the Jets in the Meadowlands. Marino takes a snap, fakes a spike to, to you know, normally use to stop the clock, and then uh, fires a pass in the end zone, which uh, was caught by a Dolphins receiver to win the uh, to win the game. Oh man, Met the Jets fans were uh, livid after that one, but that's a it's a funny moment and just goes to show you some of the things that Dan Marino could do with a football in his hands, 
it's a shame that he was never able to uh, win a Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, just just an incredible quarterback to watch play. At number three, Jerry Rice. So it's weird for me to put a receiver at uh, as high up above uh, two of my uh, favorite quarterbacks of all time, but Jerry Rice deserves it. He was one, the greatest wide receiver of all time. I'm not going to debate that with anybody, not, not at this point, but to do it as long as he did, as consistently as he did, and to win the amount of titles that he did, he is the GOAT at, wide, at the wide receiver position. Some other things about Jerry Rice that I could greatly appreciate. Uh, coming out of college, he was, he was a 1AA uh, football star, which, was not, uh, which is not the same level as uh, you know, the powerhouse uh, college football programs that uh, many people watch. So he played at a lesser a lesser level uh, college football program, excelled there, slipped in the draft. Granted, he still went in the first round to the San Francisco 49ers, but he slipped in the draft a little bit because he did not have that upfront speed. But you know, going to the 49ers was a uh, was a great thing for Jerry Rice because Bill Walsh knew how to utilize him. And utilized the skill set that he had. And it paid off dividends for both Jerry Rice and for the San Francisco 49ers. Just an incredible receiver to watch. He was also uh, great with the media. You know, all the things that you look for out of, uh, out of a star athlete, you got from him. The titles, the, the uh, obviously the performance. And then he added in uh, good with the media, and is now a Hall of Fame, uh, a Hall of Famer. So I greatly appreciated watching Jerry Rice growing up, and and to this day he still is one of my favorites uh, of all time. At number two, the basketball goat, Michael Jordan. I mean, what more can you really say? He won six titles in the nineties. And could have won two more if he hadn't uh, taken that short retirement to uh, play baseball. His uh, He would just continuously harm the Knicks time and time and time again. But you respected him because he always gave his best. He always wanted to win. And he wanted to win more than the guys on the other team. He wanted to win probably more than his teammates did. Nobody wanted it more than Michael Jordan and that's what made him so great. He was an incredible ball player. And he didn't really have much of a weak spot in his game. I think probably the weakest thing that he had in his game was shooting threes. But when you could drive to the basket the way he did and shoot, you know, shoot at the top of the key the way he could and play defense the way he did, there wasn't anybody that was as good as him. Not at least not in the 90s. And then uh you know, people want to compare uh, him and LeBron James. I'm sorry, LeBron's not it. LeBron's not it. He's a he is probably a better athlete than Michael Jordan was. I, I will give him that. But when the games get bright, you know, when the when the games get tough, and the and the lights shine bright, that was when Jordan was at his best. 
that's what makes him the best. That's what made that's what to me makes him the greatest basketball player of all time. Nothing. Nothing anybody could do can really compare. I think the closest comparison in uh the more current age of basketball is probably Kobe. And Kobe Bryant had that killer instinct just like Michael Jordan did. But I don't think he was as good as Michael Jordan still. That's just how I feel. And at number one on my list, the captain, Derek Jeter. I mean, what more can you really say as a, at the time as a kid growing up in New York, watching the Yankees play and having uh, Derek Jeter as your starting shortstop for your team? One thing was for sure, you were going to be getting a lot of exciting moments. And Derek Jeter certainly delivered plenty of exciting moments. From uh, the flip play to the Jeffrey Mayer game to the, uh, the catch against the Red Sox in 2004 where he leaped into the stands to the jump throw in the uh, 98 postseason. I mean, you can count all these moments and and it still doesn't even touch the impact that Derek Jeter had as a New York Yankee to the fans of uh, the Yankees. He was an incredible ball player who, when the moment got biggest, he found a way. You know, another another perfect example of that is the Mr. November home run. He would constantly come up with a big play or come up with a big hit or start the rally that the Yankees would use to to get themselves back in the game or take a lead. There was nobody else that I wanted up in a late-game situation at any point in a late-game situation. didn't matter if there were men on or if he was leading off the inning because one thing I knew for sure with Derek Jeter is he would probably find a way to get on base, maybe steal a, maybe steal second, and put himself in scoring position for that rally, only to have the guys behind him knock him in, and the guys behind him were just that good that they could knock him in. So having a guy like that in Derek Jeter, who could start rallies, who could who could uh, finish off games like that too, you know, it was fun. It was fun to watch. I just wish uh, there was somebody on that on the Yankees right now that could do something like that. But uh, there's not going to be anybody like Jeter. And, uh, you know, what more can you say about a guy that started his career with the Yankees and finished his career with the Yankees and played his entire career with the Yankees? You know, I I wish there were more players that that could say that. Not just for the Yankees, but just in general, just across sports. I wish there were more players that uh, started with the team that... uh, you know, finishes with the team that they started with and played their entire career on one team. But too much of this jumping around stuff that uh, that I don't really appreciate. But uh, it is what it is. Well, those are my favorite athletes of all time. I hope everybody enjoyed. Uh, as far as the next episode, it'll probably be tomorrow. I hope uh, you all enjoy this episode and uh, look forward to the next one.